Hello and welcome to the Mantelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys and all about guys. Have you ever struggled with feeling behind the curve in basic man intelligence? Well, that is exactly what we're going to help you with. On this week's show, we will continue our discussion on what guys need to know about buying a vehicle. Buying a vehicle can be stressful, but hopefully with the tools you will learn on this episode, you will drive off the lot confident you got the very best deal. Let's get started. So we are back on the Man Intelligent Podcast. We have a fantastic show for you today. Uh, it will be a continuation of what we talked about uh, last week uh, about buying a vehicle and what you need to know. As always, I am joined by Reed Primetime Fisher, my co-host. Wow. It is awesome to be back for another round. It is. It is. And let me tell you what, Brandon here has been in fuego off the air. I hope he brings... The same sort of just yeah. Don't be a wet blanket now that you're now that we're recording. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So uh, obviously you already know Brandon's back. So Brandon, thank you so much for joining us again uh, on this episode because it's really going to be the nuts and bolts of the car buying process. Yeah, and, absolutely. Let's get into it. Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of jump straight in here and uh, don't need a whole lot of uh, you know prepping for it so where we ended off last week was uh was talking about the different vehicles and and how they hold their value so we kind of gave a lot of broad perspective now let's talk about you kind of already have an idea of of what you want and now you're headed to the dealership so what research do we need to do before we even get to the dealership yeah absolutely there's uh, a couple different things you want to know before you come in and uh definitely want to know if you'll be financing or paying cash and uh you know, we talked about the dealerships got financing options for the consumer. Uh, your bank that you bank with, a lot of people don't realize, but majority of the banks out there are willing to finance a car deal for their uh, their users. And uh, you know, some some people have relationships with credit unions, and uh, they'll usually finance a, a car purchase as well. So, typically, if if the car deal is going well. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing to give the financing to the dealership. I'm probably a little jaded there, mm-hmm. but uh, I would never just give it blindly. I would definitely know what's the best rate that I got, and then I'd give them a chance to shop it. You know, we sometimes have a buyer come in and say, hey, no, I, I got my rate. And uh, People are a little defensive when it comes to, to the financing because that's where they feel like they're going to get hung up on some, some bad deal that they didn't realize. Absolutely. So I think it's good to know what you qualify for before going in. But if uh, your dealer can beat it, why wouldn't you take that opportunity? So, you know, for example, we have 26 different lenders that we look at every single time that we shop. And uh, I think when you get to that part of the buying process, it doesn't hurt to say, well, hey, I qualify for 1.9% for 60 months. You know, I'm open to if you can beat it. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to stay with my bank. So now is the is the financing. Is there a leverage to that? Um, like is, if you said, hey, I'm going to give you my financing, maybe my payment is a little bit more or maybe it's it's right at. Is there is there some way that you can leverage that to like get a better deal or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we talked about incentives and rebates, sometimes some of those are tied into the the purchase price. And I think it's good to know not only what your budget is as far as a, a total amount to be financed, but what you want your monthly payment to be. Okay. And, and, you know, I think as long as you've got that transparency and that open, honest feeling, you know, you can see what options they have, 
where that would take you versus the outside financing that you have lined up. So would it be good to, when you're talking to the uh, car salesman, talk to the dealership, tell them, hey, I'm going to, I put potentially will be putting this uh, deal through you guys, you're financing in-house, or should you start with them and, and let them know, hey, that you're wheeling and dealing? You know, I, I think it's good to let them know that you're open to financing with them if uh, they got the best rate. Um, so, you know, in any car deal, the first thing you're going to negotiate is the purchase price. The second thing you're going to negotiate is your financing rate. Then you're going to negotiate your accessories and uh, any warranties that you want to add on. Uh, and that that's kind of like the three parts of the deal to make sure you got a well-rounded. Oh, and uh, your trade-in. You okay, know, make yeah. sure you negotiate the trade-in. It, not in that order, though, right? Or would you do it in that order? I would. I, I negotiate the purchase price first, the the agreed terms. Yeah. Then I'd agree to the financing. Really? Because in my head, the financing is is kind of at the very end. Oh, you're absolutely right. So <laughs> the, the first thing you're going to want to do I remember do my is, first time around a car dealership. <laughs> the first thing you want to do is negotiate the purchase price of the vehicle and the trade-in price that you're willing to take for your vehicle. The next thing you're going to do would be any accessories that you want on the vehicle, um, followed by the financing and then any warranties that you're buying back in finance. You know, a lot of people don't realize those are negotiable as well. Okay. Um, is there a uh, – I, I feel like in my experience, my very limited experience, which is why I'm not the expert on this show, I've found that typically credit unions – have historically had better rates for me is that because i didn't maybe give the dealership a chance to look at it or is that just kind of how credit unions are are wired yeah typically credit unions if you already have a existing relationship with them sometimes they do have rates that are out there that you know are the strongest but again they don't have zero for 84 or zero for 72 which we've seen recently yeah um so if you're looking at a standard rate versus credit union, credit union probably is stronger, but depending on the amount that you're financing, your payment still might be better to go with the 0% that's from you know, Ford Credit or Chase yeah. that's out there as the hook too. So that's why I think it's good to know what the best rate you can get from your personal bank or credit union is, and then just be open to looking at what the dealership can do for you as well. You know, because they're gonna make three hundred bucks when they when they finance you, or make a flat five hundred bucks um, from their finance source, and so that's an opportunity for them to make money. So they don't have to fight quite as hard on your trade or on yeah. the vehicle that you're buying. So if they can make a little money in finance, then that's just an area where you might get a little more off on the front end, and then you got the benefit of the payments lower anyways because you got the zero for seventy two. Very interesting. So I remember we uh, I bought a car and. The, I got fi uh, I got approved I guess before and they sent a check to me and said you're approved up to whatever let's say fifty thousand uh, dollars. The check wasn't good until I wrote it to Bob Thomas Ford and signed it over. Uh, but that was like my way to come in. I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but I came in and, and did that and it worked out. So that's that's maybe kind of what he's talking about yeah. in that case because at that point I knew going into when I talked to the finance department I didn't have to use that check that day. But I knew my rate and all that going into it, where if I could have saved some money, that would have been good. And then that's yeah. where going back, being transparent, you right. talked about that. Right, so I, th I think you want to be somewhere where you feel comfortable that the person you're working with is giving you all of your options. Um, you know, you shouldn't feel bad asking for your options. And then you can go in and, you know, pick what, what works best for you. But, like, Reed's experience where he came in with the check, 
you know, he can rip that up if he if, if he gets something better at the car dealership. And then again, if they can't get to that, then he's got that in his back pocket and he can say, yeah. you know what, don't worry about it. I got outside financing. I'll just do that. Yeah. And I think at some level, you know, the, the point of making a really good uh, or the goal of making a really good car purchase is that not that you've like run the salesperson under the coals, like understand that this in every aspect, this is this is a business. So you can play to the fact that if he is getting paid for that, that that shouldn't necessarily frustrate you as a consumer that some guy's getting paid for doing work on your account. But allow that to be a leverage point to be like, hey, I know this guy is incentivized in some way to try and make this work. So give that person the opportunity. And as long as it's with somebody that you trust and you've done all the, the you know, background on and you kind of feel comfortable in it, you know, understanding that aspect should not be a deterrent to to allowing the, the, the company to do their own financing. So let me just follow up with that is and I know we're going to get to negotiating price, which I'm sure everyone's like dying to know. But uh, with regards to the finance department, is there some sticky items that, you know, is, is like a, a pain point? that I could push, lean in on the finance guy to ask a hard question or say, tell you what, if you throw this in, is there any sort of secrets around the finance department? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So a lot of times people think the only thing that's negotiable is the purchase price and the trade-in price and the APR. But, you know, if you're open to buying a warranty, which we talked about in the first show, which can, you know, provide more enjoyment for your vehicle and more peace of mind, ease of mind, those things are negotiable as well. And uh, so if, you know, there is something that you're interested in purchasing in that department, you might say, well, hey, you know, if I do purchase this, you know, I, I, I can't pay the $2,800 you're quoting, but, you know, I, I, I do want one. Can you work with me? And uh, realize that some of those products that they sell in the finance department are negotiable as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So uh, loan duration. Is there, you know, a, a lot of people are, you know, worried uh if they do a really long loan duration that they're going to get upside down in their their payments or they're not going to be paying it down quick enough is there kind of like a uh, maybe a best practice when it comes to loan duration yeah so we just saw the uh, 84 months come out this past month and that's like a first time in in the history of car buying on the good side cars are lasting longer you Mm -hmm. know 100,000 200 300,000 miles that's that's a you know no problem 20 years on a on a vehicle it's no problem but typically when you're when you're talking about financing something you want to finance like an appreciating asset and a vehicle purchase is a depreciating asset so to lock yourself in on seven years is uh is is a pretty long time so i definitely think you want to take the lowest uh term that you feel comfortable with the payment and so if you can do 60 months i i recommend 60 months but then again if you're also using a incentive like zero percent i'd go out as far as possible and typically there's no prepayment penalty so you can always pay an extra 50 bucks or 100 bucks but you know if you have a life event you need to go back to that lowest payment you can do that as well so boy great advice yeah it is uh because there's nothing worse Uh, you've you've already gone through all this work and that's typically honestly for me the uh most frustrating part is you feel like all right the war is over and now I'm going back in that small room with the finance guy and I'm going to be in there for like two hours as we as we work through that. Um, and, and I just feel like knowing what kind of what they're thinking, knowing what your options are, well, I think help you feel like you're not just being fed some snake oil back there. Sure. And 
and hopefully make you feel a little bit more confident. So let's talk about uh, researching the uh, vehicle for car value, car history, and that sort of thing. What are what are some good sites that maybe people would need to know before they get to the dealership? Yeah, so so you definitely need an idea of what you think your trade in's worth, and uh, there's a lot of places to do that. Kelly Blue Book is a good one. Uh, make sure you select trade in value. Um, if you select, you know, private party sell, that's going to be worth more. And again, you're more than welcome to sell it on your own. But if, the, if you're trading it in just to give you a good starting spot, uh, Kelly Blue Book trade-in value. Also, if you have a, Car, um, a CarMax nearby, CarMax will give you like a seven-day no-hassle quote whether or not you buy from them. So you can swing in there on your way to go purchase a vehicle, get your quote, and just tell them, hey, look, you know, CarMax said my vehicle's worth $10,000. If you can't beat it, I'll take it there. Yeah. Um, you know, in the state of Texas, sales tax is six and a quarter percent. And on a $10,000 trade-in, if you had it paid off, um, there'd be a tax savings of $625. So at that dealership, uh, if CarMax was going to pay 10 and the dealership was paying 10, you're actually getting 10625 in value because hmm. you'll get that much reduced on the taxation of the new vehicle purchase if you use it as a trade-in. So definitely you got to look at both sides of it like that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But, but I but I do think people should come in with, with an idea of what they want for their trade. And, you know, if you if you know you've got a, a, a no-obligation purchase price down the road, then you can just be open and say, hey, this is this is what I need. Yeah. You know, can you beat it? Or, or say, hey, what's it worth? Keep it in your back pocket. Then when they uh, come out and tell you, you know, hey, it's worth 12, you can just rip it up and throw it in the trash <laughs> and you're good to go. <laughs> Goodbye, CarMax. I don't need this little yeah. piece of paper anymore. Um, okay, so what about uh, car history? So the Carfax reports and stuff like that. Yeah, so when you're looking at a used car, you know, Carfax commercials, they got you trained pretty well. Ask mm-hmm. for the Carfax. And uh, Carfax is a pretty strong service. You know, typically is going to show you if there's been any significant damage to the vehicle. Um, so we always recommend asking for the Carfax. And, and do you uh, guys provide that, or do you have to do that on your own? We do, and there's a couple other services that are the equivalent of Carfax, but you know, not the same name recognition. But I, I definitely think you want to get some kind of report on a vehicle that you'd be purchasing if it's not brand new, uh, just to verify that there's been no significant damage repaired. That you know, maybe something you can't see, like a bent frame or salvage title. So what is the big, so if you saw, because I've seen a Carfax before, what are some things that I should be looking for on that Carfax, like something that screams out at you that you're specifically looking for, just the bent frame stuff or what? Yeah, any, anything that's like frame damage or salvage title would be something that would just, you know, maybe make me a little weary. Um, if it says that, you know, there's been a minor wreck or uh, collision and, you know, you go out and the car looks great, then I'd I believe that that's probably been fixed to spec, you know, and it's not going to hurt you on the trade-in. You're probably paying a little less for it anyways because of that damage in the first place. So um, you're getting a good deal on it, and when you go to trade it in, it'll be the same thing. Is there any way to check vehicle maintenance history? Sometimes Carfax will have that on there. Um, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, if the vehicle, you know, maybe belong to a good customer of the dealership, they might be able to provide you with some of that as well. The other thing you can ask for when you're purchasing a pre-owned vehicle is what services did they do um, and ask them to, to provide you um, the repair order when it came into the shop before they put it back out and say, 
you know, maybe all they did was put an oil and filter change on that vehicle. Or maybe they put $1,800 into it and tuned the engine and did a transmission flush and you really did the works on it. So you, you can feel peace of mind that you're not going to have any big servers for maybe 30,000 miles. Yeah, wow. that's great. All right, so um, one of the, uh, I, I guess, one of the big things that people are, uh, you know, avoiding whenever they're going in is, is they want to focus on the purchase price and not necessarily the monthly payments. And I know there's pros and cons to that. And in their mind, they're like, it doesn't matter what my monthly payment is if I'm not getting the best purchase price. Right. And I think for the car dealer, it's a lot of times like, what do you want? And then what's the easiest way to get you in what you want? And th that might be where they're coming from. What are some of the pros and cons of going in and being like, I don't want to, I don't care about what you say about my monthly payment. I just want to talk about the purchase price versus the other way. You know, typically we hear that. And the funny thing is when it still always comes down to monthly payment. And, you know, sometimes there's cash incentives that aren't available if you take the 0%. Well, so then you're paying $4,000 more for the car, but your actual monthly payment's $25 less than if you had taken the $4,000 you know, less, but you got stuck with a 4.9 interest rate. So you definitely have to look at it both ways. And I think as a consumer, it's okay to focus on the purchase price, but I definitely think if you're gonna end up financing the deal and you're, you know, you're not just paying cash write a check for the for the total price of the vehicle i think it's a good idea to know what monthly payment you feel comfortable with and try to find something that you can uh can, can live with there because there's multiple ways to skin a cat there's multiple ways to put a car deal together and i think as long as you negotiate each of these pieces individually you can get to where you want to be um, but i think if you're just sitting there hammering price hammering price hammering price they give it to you and you're still not in the monthly payment range that you wanted to be in, sure. then you've just wasted a lot of your time, you know, and and you're kind of back to square one and you're having to get off that car and get onto something else. So, Awesome. I think that that, that makes sense to me. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the same theme that you've said, which is be honest both ways. You know, you expect them to be honest with you. Please be honest with them. And many times if you're working with a good quality salesperson, which we're going to talk about in just a second about how to choose that salesperson. Hopefully if there's like a lot of transparency, then that's good. And and I'm not going to get into too much with the trade-in versus private sell because I think we, we kind of covered a little bit of that last time, some of the risk reward on that. Is there anything you want to add? Because at, at that point in the process, you're going to be talking about, you know, you're going to give me 10000 I went to Kelly Blue Book and it's worth 13000 Is that is that risk worth the three thousand potential extra that I'm going to get, plus the the losing out on the tax savings that you talked? I was going to say the big one of the big deals, I guess. But uh, last week we were talking about uh, from a buyer standpoint. This is from a seller standpoint. So now as a seller, um, is it better to do private party or or, or do? I, I'd say rule of thumb. Typically, if you look at Kelly Blue Book uh, trade in value, Kelly Blue Book private sale value. You know the difference is going to be like three to five thousand dollars, and uh, that's going to look really good at first glance. But then you're going to have to market that vehicle. You're going to have to find a buyer for that vehicle. You're going to have to leave work and go meet potential buyers and let them take your vehicle to their mechanic. You know, fingers crossed they come back. Um, 
you fingers crossed they hand you a check that doesn't bounce. Fingers crossed you don't get murdered. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> Craigslist murder sort of I situation. Mean, it happens. Lots of people do it. Um, if you got the time and the ability to do it, that's that's fine. You know, I, I don't think it matters to the car dealer that much either way. But um, Rona in your car, all these things that aren't good. Right. So I, I think typically when when it when and then they end up negotiating with you anyways. So by the time you spend all this time, all this effort, really, is it worth the extra twelve hundred bucks you got? Right. And then you got to think, hey, you know how much more trade in tax savings would there have been? You know, okay, it's actually about six hundred dollars more I made. You know, in all the time. Yeah. Right. All right. So uh, is there anything else in researching before you get to the car lot that you want to go over? No, I think I think we hit it for the most part. Um, you know, budget, Kelly Blue Book, car history. So no, I, I think we're good. Okay, I have so, a question. Yeah, hit it. Does he not look like with this great shirt, like a 1980s coach? And I mean it in a good way. I wish you guys could see him right now. He looks great. He's got like the long Henley looking button down situation. It looks really nice. Look like an 80s golfer. That's it. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I just want to let our Are audience know. Now we're, in, we're in this small studio. I've been noticing it this entire time. Okay. <laughs> uh, he does have great hair, though. I, I know. We can all agree A little bit that. jealous. Um, okay, so back into it. Unless, read, unless you want to um, crush on our guest anymore. Before. I felt like it was a compliment, like backhanded. <laughs> But we'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, okay, so now you know what you're going to get before you – or you know you're a little bit more um, educated. Now we get to the actual buying process. So in general, when is the very best time to buy a vehicle? You know, I'd say like December 31st, about 9.30 p.m. No, oh. I mean, that's – you know, sure. typically the end of the window. year, right? Uh, no. That's a it, car dealer joke if I've ever heard one. We we definitely it's definitely our biggest week of the year is December twenty fifth through the Dece- December twenty sixth through December thirty first or January first depending when the the month ends. But um, is there merit to that? You know, I, I I don't think those people typically are getting any better of a deal uh, than than somebody in July or August. You know that your your big months are March, May, August, December. That's typically where your dealers are having red tag sales, new inventory sales, old inventory sales. Um, season to remember, all of that. But, you know, when I watch the incentives change from our manufacturer, they, they go up and down anywhere from 250 to $500 a month. But when you're talking about a forty to $70,000 purchase, you know, the purchase price changes maybe by 250 500 bucks at any given time. Yeah. And uh, so, so I don't think it's necessarily the, the best way. And I think also sometimes in those sale times when you've got a lot more traffic, the experience isn't as good. The salesman doesn't have as much time they can spend with you. Um, it just seems a little more rushed. It seems a little more kind of got to get it done now. So I don't think it's always worth waiting until the very end of the month. But is end of the month traditionally a better time to buy if you were to – so if I, if, if I were to look into you like, hey, I'm going to do it today, which is what, the 10th, or I have no idea what today is. Uh, the 10th, yep. Or the 30th, what would you say? You know, honestly, I think – we're so eager to put a deal together when we can put a deal together it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know that came out of a lot of manufacturers used to have really really big like dealer cash bonuses if you hit a certain number so you show up on the 30th or the 31st of the month and they're like two units away and there's a hundred thousand dollars for that store on the line they're like hell give them the car you know like we got it we got to sell two more cars tonight i think for the most part a lot of those have gone away 
And then second, if you show up by that Nissan store and they're 35 to go before the end of the month, well, why cut them a better deal? Because they're not going to get that back in money anyways. Yeah. So um, that kind of goes both ways. We don't say words like hell. Or can I say other words? Am I not allowed to say cuss words? (laughs) I don't think, no, I don't think you can. Okay. So we just don't say words like hell. I've said it twice. <laughs> did I, did <laughs> but I we don't a, say it. Remind uh, me what we don't say. Hell. Ah, oh, that's the one. All right. Um, okay, so uh, so there's not really. It's it's a little bit of a myth. Uh, no, I, it's, it's I, I think if you've done your research, if you've done your research, and you come in as a prepared buyer or prepared shopper, uh, I think you're going to leave with the best deal any given time. Ford Truck Month. All these other, you know, you talk about like the season to remember. Still that, that's just... It's if just, that's when somebody wants to buy, that's when I want to sell them. Mm-hmm. But typically, we're not making less per deal then than we are at any other time. It's of more year. of a marketing push. It's just trying to like get get it out there. Absolutely. Gotcha. So I worked at a uh, at a store in college. I won't say which one it was. Um, but is this when you sold jewelry? <laughs> yes, it's it is. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. No. There's so many things that are like admirable is, about you that people are like, yeah, this is the first man, off, show I'm about a certified man. dermatologist. So yeah, and you just, just lost a lot there. of credibility on the man intelligence. I might have, I might have gained credibility. No. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, so for Black Friday sales, we would spend the week before increasing all the prices. So whenever they got their big discount, it was pretty much this, like what we would right. normally have sold it for. But people. People would buy it up and and really you know think okay. that they're getting this great deal and I think that's how a lot of business I mean like their p- businesses aren't in a rush to go out of out of business and so they're gonna try and protect themselves. Yeah, I mean, with with the car business, at least you got the manufacturer's suggested retail price on the window that never changes, so you're not gonna have to worry about somebody being able to like add a little bit uh, you know at, at a certain season to get the discount. But I mean. You know, when we get really aggressive on a certain car line, it doesn't really change month to month, regardless of what the manufacturer gotcha. does. Wow. All right. So this is this is one of the things that we were laughing about before we started the recording, which is how to choose a, the right salesperson. Yeah. So uh, the, the advice I was giving you guys before the show is to start was to uh, find the conference room find the sales board, find the guy that's got no sales out for the month and be like, hey, give me give me Tommy, you know? I want to talk to Tommy. Uh, Tommy's over there chewing on his ear trying yeah. to figure out how to sell a car. You know, they told Tommy yesterday that if he didn't sell a car before the end of the week, he's gone. So <laughs> he'll do he'll do just about anything. No, uh, And avoid people with nicknames. I think that was your other deal. Yeah, you know, like Dan the Man or Gil the Real Deal, you know, like <laughs> – um, if, if they say that, you know, think twice. No, we, we got some guys. Kill the real deal. That is great. Oh, but, man. Um, yeah, Dan the Man, you know. You had a Dan the Man, I assume. We did have a Dan the did Man, and we have... still have a Gil the Deal. So, um, Gil the real deal. <laughs> and, and are these guys are like, they're they're They've they're been around the car hitters. business for a while, yeah. And so... They're just they're good at and not to belittle those guys, but because uh, obviously they're great at what they do. But they have made a good living selling cars, so <laughs> you're just not going to get as good of a deal. Maybe you're going to get better service from Bill. What Gil the real deal? Gil the God, real I want to meet that guy so bad. I'll but but you're. I guess the thought is is like, hey, you want to find someone that's eager to sell a, a vehicle. I mean, to like kind of sum it up. Yeah, but as I, opposed to the guy that. Is like, but I think there's merit because at the end of the day, you know, we he talked about the the 
I guess the margins on these things. So let's if you go with Gil the real deal versus Tommy who's chewing on his ear, how much are you really gonna save? Maybe that that experience carbine experience goes far better with Gil well, the true. real maybe deal. That's why he's not selling and, very and, many cars. And he's sitting there going, you you don't leave like just pissed off. You leave going, wow, this was this was a great carbine experience. At the end of the day, whether they have a nickname or not, the managers typically put those deals together. And so if you come in as a a smart shopper, somebody that's done their research, whether you're talking to like a seasoned pro or talking to like a, a fresh newbie, you're still knowing what you need to ask for to get the best deal. Yep. So, you know, but I but I do want to talk seriously about choosing the right salesperson. I think it goes a step further to like choosing the right dealership that you want to work with. So um, for this example, let's say you're looking for a, a Ford truck. Well, my, my honest my honest answer would be I would reach out to one, two, or three of your closest dealerships and uh, reach out online to save you some time and uh, see who responds, not just quickest, but answers your questions, uh, is willing to get you the answers you need and uh, get you the actual price on the vehicle. And, and if they're, they're afraid to give you a price, if they're not, if they're kind of hemming and hawing, they're just trying to get you in then uh, maybe they're trying to hide something. So I think, or if they're not being responsive, then that's probably not the guy because they're going to probably answer your questions on the showroom the same way they're answering your questions Mm -hmm. via email. So at that point, if you found somebody that you're talking with via internet lead, via email that uh, you're comfortable with, that, that would probably be the first person I go shop. Yeah. And hopefully, with the research you've done, maybe the last. Um, but I, I would weed it out to find that right person through uh, maybe email to start. So is there any is there any merit to whenever you go into, or I guess does the internet department, or internet sales rather, do they have a better ability to put a deal together than the regular sales guy on the sales floor? No, but typically because the customer's not present, they're gonna strike with one of their better prices right out of the bat. Um, You know, nowadays, everybody's got strong pricing on their website. And if you are comparing websites of two dealers and they don't, then you don't even wanna be there in the first place. Because if, if you're not competitive on your website, then you're not getting the lead. And if you're not getting the lead, you're not getting the opportunity to sell. So um, internet has made this a much more transparent journey for mm-hmm. the consumer in the first place. And so I think if you find two or three stores online that uh, all have you know a, a good price listed for the vehicle and again you know competitive price then I would just shoot a couple leads on on very similar vehicles and then kind of see who's the most responsive and and you know who you like dealing with that way and then set an appointment to go in and see that person is there any merit to I heard one person say that uh, see who advertises the most because that is the bigger biggest dealership because they have the most marketing dollars bigger dealership gets more incentives or, or pu- is willing to push more units. Is there any merit to that? You know, I don't believe so. I think there's an average amount of money that every deal makes, you know, and it's about $3,000. That's that's the average. Uh, so some guy might come in and he, he puts a deal together and the store makes zero. And some guy comes in and they make $6,000. He didn't do his research. He said yes, you know, to everything. And, and then that average is $3,000. Everybody's buying vehicles for the same amount of money. 
I don't think anybody's put an investment into brick and mortar to just sell cars and lose money. Mm-hmm. That's right. Every, and, and again, maybe they lose money on the front end, but they're paying you less for the trade. Or, you know, they're, they're, they're putting an APR rate that's higher than what you should be qualifying for, and they're making their money that way. So that way, you know, again, if you've done your research, you can prevent that. And sometimes if the deal is too good to be true and you drive across the Metroplex to go get it, once you sit down and they start to actually put it all together and all the pieces together, you quickly realize it was too good to be yeah. true. You know, yeah, they gave you an extra $5,000 off the car that you wanted to purchase, but they're squashing you on the trade. They're they're trying to force your hand to buy in a warranty, uh, a lot of pressure tactics, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so you see that sometimes. So yeah. I, that's where it goes back to, you know, having that good rapport, feeling good about it, and then uh, going in and taking it from there. You want to know what dealership doesn't do that, Johnny? What dealership, Reed? Bob Thomas Ford. <laughs> and Brandon and Thomas Brandon Subaru. Thomas Subaru. That's Man, right. They're, they're great. That's they're, a little plug. You guys, I, like, I appreciate the plug. Yeah, finally. You're waiting for it. He, he just know, got up and left. And, and <laughs> what I'll, I'll say it again because I kind of reiterated or I, I said it earlier and I'll reiterate it now. Um, don't be a jerk. If, as a sales, like Reed and I, we're, we're in sales in a different type of industry. And people suck. Sorry, people can. People very suck. Well they just they will suck. lie to your face. And those are not the people that you're trying to go out of your way to help. So you're, if you're talking with a, a salesperson and your tactic is I'm going to go in there and try and strong arm them and be just cold and distant, and I'm going to typically that gill the real deal doesn't even want to work with you anyway because it's like all right, this guy is he's a tire kicker. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that is. Listen, listen to, to the last show, uh, but you're you're not going to get you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. So when you go in, do your research, feel confident in your research, and don't be a jerk to the salesperson. And I think that goes for any everything. We we, anything, we got everything. a lot of sales years on this podcast at this very moment. And oh man, that is that is by and far because that's why I loved he said transparency because yep. th- that transparency you would not believe how we can read straight through people i mean gosh how many how many deals have you done where you looked at them that you knew that they're just lying to you i mean it's it's crazy so anyway that get off our sales horse so now so uh, well one last thing on the salesperson is there anything that if i start seeing this behavior that i should try and look for a new salesperson or walk away from the dealership you, you know it's a salesperson's job to get a commitment to get a customer to say, I'll buy this car, this monthly payment, or this total sales price. But if the pressure is uncomfortable, if they're if they're pressuring you to the point where you're not ready to sign up and they're trying to get a commitment and they won't let you leave or, you know, they're that that's when, to me, it's time to get up and walk away. Because um, nobody wants to waste their time. And, I mean, if you've been at a store three hours or all afternoon and and you think you're really close, and then the deal starts to go sideways, walk away. You know, and I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but you should be somewhere where you feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, you then you can take what you learned in that experience to your next one. But, you know, I hopefully you get it done the first time. Who knows? But sometimes it takes, you know, walking away, regrouping. and Now, if you kind of like the dealership or you like the deal – but this guy is just a jack wagon and you don't want to deal with him anymore. Is it worth it to go to the sales manager and be like, Hey, I like a lot of stuff. I don't like 
Yeah, absolutely. This guy, I, I want mean, Stan that, the truck man, not Gil the real deal. Right. Go. So like so, every once in a while you have that situation where the the personalities don't mesh. It might not even be that the guy was high pressure tactics or anything like that. It might just be that you know, he thought he was being funny, the customer didn't find it fun. you know, or just it yeah. just they're on two different wavelengths and um you know, we we always have our sales managers follow up with any customer that didn't buy and if we ever find out that's the case, we invite them back in, you know, at a with a with a completely different individual to to start the process again. Okay. And uh, you know, a little more management um through every part of the deal and see if that works but there's no issue if you don't like your salesman uh either walking away and calling the store back and getting a hold of somebody else and telling them hey i want to do business here but you know it it wasn't working for me the first time or calling back and asking for a sales manager or walking into the sales tower shoot um have you had customers walk into the sales tower before yeah, absolutely. I and mean, are you like, what are you doing in here? Well, the, we just play ping pong and act like we're working, but we're really not. <laughs> act like you're approving a deal. Right. I'm talking to my manager. Yeah. He's in there like playing with a, you know, a ping pong bat paddle. We're like, and, hey, just wave your hands like you're just, you know, asking for a bigger deal. And I'll be like, yeah, no. And then, uh, <laughs> and then you wave him again. And then, and then, all right, now take this back out to him. Yeah. That never happens. Yeah, it totally happens. Um, okay. So, so, so one, one thing that I, my probably, Second least favorite. My my first least favorite is just it, it, typically it's at the very end of the process. Was I'm, I'm I'm so tired and and that's when I'm typically dealing with the finance department. But my second most uncomfortable thing in buying a car is the awkward test drive, and it's awkward typically because if the if the salesperson is with you, and they're just staring at you while you're driving a you know Kia Rio and being like, huh, what do you think? How's this how's this baby driving? Like there's a we like you're just kind of driving and you're ready for it to be over. Uh, what? How do you how do you actually make that that process profitable? Like what are you looking for as you're driving it? Can I tell just Can awkward? I tell a story to derail this because it has to do with test drives and I was I didn't know we were going this route because I really do want to know what's the best way to like what you should be doing on a test drive. But uh, so a couple years ago I was on a test drive. And the guy was like, you want to test out the brakes? And I was on <laughs> on the street. It's going like 45 miles an hour. And I was like, you want me to just like hit the brake? Like he's like telling me, you, you want to test out the brakes? And I was like, I go, do you, you want me to just like slam on the brakes? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, F and A. And I just, I just took the brake pedal all the way to the floor. And you would have thought that I, he like grabbed the OS bar. It was like yelling things. And I was yelling things. And the car was like, Rrr. It's <laughs> like skidding along. So, needless to say, I shook him up a little bit. Yeah. I didn't think that he, he got in his head, probably. I did. I think I ended up buying that car, and he was like, just take it. <laughs> get the heck out of here. Get the hell out of here. I said it. Uh, <laughs> man. So, that's what you do to get in the sales guy's head, is you just throw on the brakes. But let's say you didn't want to just slam on the <laughs> it was brakes terrifying. going 40 miles an hour. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that, that somebody needs to be aware of as they're test driving, just to kind of make sure everything's working properly? Sure. So I think when you first get in that vehicle, you need to, uh, you know, make sure you take the time to adjust your seat, the steering wheel, the pedals, you know, to your comfort level and make sure you're comfortable in the car. And then uh, take the vehicle out and uh, through some start and stops, through some acceleration, deceleration, like definitely take it out on the highway and make sure that you feel comfortable with how quickly it gets up to speed and that you got the power that you're used to or, or not too much or, you know, just I think you want to look for comfortability. 
you know, typically if you're trading in a vehicle that's like six, eight years old, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. Mm. It's going to be like, oh, this is nice. You yeah, know, like that smell. this doesn't have 100,000 miles on it. It didn't smell like fart. Um, and, you know, again, I know we're all busy, but you can take as much or as little time as you want. And I don't think uh, there's anything wrong with asking the, the salesperson to take the vehicle home for the night. Um, taking an overnight test drive, showing your wife or kids or husband, you know, like whatever you got at home. But uh, that's take- the ultimate, though. Like you want the salesman wants you to take it home because that because how many what percentage of the deals get done when they take it home? Well, then it's like they take it home and their neighbor's like, hey, Bill, nice new car. And he's like, damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> You've already owned it. <laughs> Calls this guy back like, hey, you're open till nine, right? I'll be back tonight. Uh, yeah, well, and, and the wife and get the kids start selling it for you too. Oh yeah, and you're so, staring at it out. So what but, you don't want, you but don't I mean, want to take it home. Is what <laughs> you're saying? I mean, I, I think a lot of test drives last like two minutes. Yeah, and I do think they should last longer than that. Um, you know, the dealership doesn't mind. It shouldn't mind. And uh, can you ask the salesperson to stay back and not go with you? If you find a Dan the Man or a real deal uh, salesperson, they're going to toss you the keys and be like, let me know when you get back here. Okay. So so you can. In most dealerships, you can be like, hey, I really don't want you staring at me for the whole three minutes of this right. I, test drive. It goes both ways. I think some of them have policies where they got to be in the car. You know, we typically try to do whatever makes the customer yeah. more. And, and sometimes, you know, some consumers like having the customer or the uh, salesperson in the car so they can ask questions and, you know. What are some things you don't do? Like what, whenever you get off Slam the test drive. The yeah, you know, they're like, this moron just. Um, what are like some stories you have of test drives or people like you got to have some story in the vault of things. Lit that, up a cigarette or something. Or they did something. No, I should have probably warned you before the show that I was going to ask this question because it put you I, on the spot. When I was selling cars, I had uh, two brothers come in that were police officers, and they were off duty, and they wanted to test drive a Mustang GT. It was like summertime, so it was like 100 degrees outside. So I'm like sweating through my shirt, you know, like pull it up. I'm like, here you go. They're like, aren't you coming with me? So I crawl into the back of a Mustang. And, you know, I'm, like, sitting between the two, like, seats, like, barely seat belted in here. Hey, guys, you know? he's, like, right in their ear holes. <laughs> and uh, they get going about 90 miles an hour down the highway. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, like, it's your insurance and, uh, like, trying to be professional. And they're like, it's cool, we're cops, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But uh, they, they, they tapped the brakes pretty good, too. But uh, they ended up not buying, which was really cool. And uh, Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, but that was, that was probably my scariest test drive. But, um, like, do people like get in there? And be like, he just uh, he fiddled with the rearview mirror. We got a rearview mirror fiddler. Like, surely, <laughs> fiddle, 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 fiddle. Uh, so, is there thing you? Okay, now I'm all tongue tied. Is there things you specifically should do and should not do? And I know we talked about it. Mess, get comfortable and stuff like that. But what is what are some things you should not do? I mean, if if you know seriously, I. I'd wait to play with the radio till you've had a chance to drive the vehicle and make sure you're comfortable with like, whether it's the sound of the engine, sound of the exhaust, outside noise coming in the car. Um, you know, a lot of people immediately turn that radio on cause they're used to doing that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, like you can check out the radio, like do that, but just go on your test drive and maybe yeah, do it silently. Information. Um, and then, you know, again, I'd, I'd make sure you brake a couple times, turn a couple times, accelerate and deaccelerate. On and when the you're saying braking, you're not talking about the Reed Fisher way of braking. Not talking about the Reed Fisher way. No, just coming up to a stop sign or a red light. What if, it, what if you wanted to test out the four-wheel drive? 
is there any way to do that? Yeah, so we don't we don't do that typically, but you might maybe if you talk them into letting you take the car home for the night, you could do that on your way home. How douchey would it be if if you if it returned and just had mud all on the side of it? I mean, that would that would probably not be ideal unless the customer is like, "Hey, I want it," and then it's like, "Great." Yeah, probably not be we'll ideal, which means it's it's green light. Got it. All right, so let's um, let's talk about now. Uh, you know, you're, you've done research. Now you've got the sales guy. You, that you're comfortable with, um, you like the car. Now let's talk about negotiating price, which I think is probably, if anyone's listening this to is this, what been this is for. what they've been waiting for. So how do you get the very, very best possible deal? And so I got into this a little bit earlier, but I think the, the there's there's sites like uh, True Car that should show you what that vehicle transacts for. Um, you know, typically I think those are algorithms. So obviously some transacts lower, some transacts higher. But I think if you take the time and you shop that vehicle, uh, two or three different dealerships, you're gonna get a really good bottom dollar to start right there. Um, you know, and let you know, let them know, hey, the guy across the street gave me this and, and print it out, bring it in writing. Will you guys do that? Like if I, if I came to you and said, uh, I want to buy a Ford Taurus. I don't even know if they make the Taurus anymore. Do they make Ford Taurus? My they grandfather don't. had uh, one. Ford that's Taurus a, is gone. That's a shame. Um, so the, I want a Ford Taurus and, uh, y- y- the best deal you can put together for me is $18,000. Do you print that out? Like, can I ask for a printout of it? Yeah. So if we're, if we're going to beat a price typically it has to be printed out and uh, it has to have a manager's signature on it but you know if the price is unreasonable right but if if the price is hey this is what the guy quoted me online you know typically i'm going to be able to get there unless it just doesn't make sense you know it's like a four thousand dollar loser and you know nobody's in business to sell a car and lose four thousand dollars you know the only time they're putting that deal together and actually letting the customer leave with that deal is when they're making four thousand dollars in finance or making four thousand dollars on the trade-in you know there's always some give or take on a car deal so i think if you have an idea of what you can buy it at from two or three different stores you should be able to use that as leverage, um, and that should get you pretty darn close to what's what's going to be the best price. And you can always ask for five hundred more, a thousand more, um, to to get the deal done right that dealership or whatever. But when you really start to see them, you know, if, if you over negotiate your play there, you're never going to get what you want for the trade in. You're not going to get the best finance rate. You know, they're you're gonna if they're going to go forward to put a deal together that they're losing money on, they are going to claw fight and scratch to get some of that money back on the rest of the deal. Mm-hmm. So, so like, is there, so is there merit to just beating them down on the sales price and then saying you can't have my trade in and then do the trade in? Or do you feel like it's, it's a combo package? Cause sometimes I'm sure you guys be like, we don't want it. Like we're already losing money on this. Right. Um, I would tell them that, Hey, yeah, you're absolutely going to get my trade in. But let's worry about that after we figure out the sale price. Is that a sales tactic? Because what if I what if I'm like, got you, sucker? Well, yeah, because you never have to, right? Yeah. So you get the best price on the on the vehicle, and then say, all right, now let's talk about my trade, and then say, all right, well, I thought you know CarMax said they're gonna give me two thousand dollars more. If you can't beat that, I'm gonna leave and drive it over there, see if they can't step up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to, to to match that or beat that. So you guys don't release, and I know it's probably different for every dealership, but if some if you had this smoking hot deal, would and someone said, "Hey, can I have it in writing?" Would you say, "No, don't give them that"? 
to one of your sales guys? Probably not. Yeah. Well, I mean, he you didn't know. like. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't want to say that. <laughs> I, it's sale. I mean, at, I, at the end I, of the day, you're not in this to willing, lose money. If we're willing so I get to give it. a customer a deal. We've sent it out on a piece of paper to the customer, and he can leave with that piece of paper. He can take it anywhere he wants. The chances are, by the time you're standing up to walk out of the store, they have given you their absolute best shot, and nobody can beat it. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and then, okay, I take that back. Then again, everybody can beat somebody by $500 because you just want to be that last guy. So um, my pet peeve in the car business is when we have a – customer shop us leave to go you know get the price beat they go to the other store they find out oh no we can't beat the price but we'll match it and then they do business there yeah and you're like oh man they didn't the customer didn't want to lose face and come back and say absolutely you were you were the best price you were a good deal so no that that would be frustrating you kind of want if you're first look you kind of want last look at some some level i yeah um okay so uh what are, and I know you covered it, but just as a sum- summary, what are kind of the main components of a deal? So we have the actual price, we have the trade-in value, and you have your APR and some of those things. What what are, kind of just recap, if I'm looking at dealership A, B, and C, and I want to make sure that at the end of the day, maybe this one's a little higher here, a little bit lower here, put together the formula of what I need to be paying attention to. Well, so if you're a cash buyer, you want to be looking at the total out-the-door price after the trade-in and everything else. If you're a payment buyer, you want to be looking at what's the lowest payment that's the same amount of terms because it's apples to apples. And so you can't really get too hung up on any one of those things because let's say, yeah, you know, that, that other store, Store B, was giving me $500 more for, you know, the sale price. But store A is giving me a thousand dollars more for my trade-in. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, it's fourteen dollar a month less payment at this. So, so with with so many ways to skin a cat, I think if you've done your research from each one of those individually, you still want to let the whole deal get put together and find out what your true out the door payment is, or your true monthly payment is compared to the the other store. So. Sometimes the sales prices might be different. Sometimes the APR interest rates might be different. Sometimes the trade-in values might be different. But when you have all the pieces together, you know, maybe it's okay that you're paying $500 more for the new vehicle, but they're giving you more for the, you know, the your trade-in or they're giving you a better interest rate um, in finance. So like accessories, because uh, one thing I have done in the past, and this is totally a jerk move, but I play a little hardball when it comes to the dealerships is, I will get it all done, uh, and I've done this literally the last four or five cars we've purchased, and I'll be sitting there either with the you know finance or whatever, and I'll like take pen to paper, lift it back up, and say, oh, I forgot to ask for all-weather floor mats. Uh, this deal can't get done until I get all-weather floor mats in the car. I know it's kind of a douchey thing, but it works every time, and I get the all-weather floor mats in. Is that something that you would recommend, or is that something you'd like, God, I hate you. I mean, if, if the money, if there's room in the deal to put that in there, we'll put that in there. You know, I've got customers that I've let a deal fall apart over $90 before because we've negotiated each step of the way. And the deal at this point just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for my salesperson. It doesn't make sense for my management team. And, you know, they're like, hey, just for one, this, this, yeah. you know, I'll put it together. 
uh, we're just like, no, you know, this is the bottom line. But there's, you know, the other customer, and I'm like, hey, yeah, go get them floor mats. It's not a big deal. We'll, right. we'll get this through. So, you know, you, you're. What are some good things we should ask for? Like, that? what are, what are some add ons? Yeah. yeah. All weather floor mats? All weather floor mats is a good one. Window tent sometimes. Does it not come? Do window. Does that not a non normal thing? No, t- well, typically it's a privacy glass, so it's like a darker glass, but it doesn't have like UV protection, and it's not on the front windshields or the front windows. Right. Not windshields, windows. Okay, mm-hmm. so tinted glass, spray in bed liner if it's a truck. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the cost on that is is a little bit higher, so to get that mm. thrown in, mm. dicey. But but you might get it thrown in, but again, it might not be the best purchase price out there but they're throwing that in and you got to take all that into account yeah and then that just goes to show that the end you want that total price to be better than what that competitor was um or you want that monthly payment to be better and there's some dealerships out there that will already include things like a skid plate or whatever it is they'll throw stuff in there like as a part of their own little dealerships unique quirks right yeah um you see that like some some dealerships have uh powertrain warranty for life, you know, and that's a, something they offer, you know, their consumers. Um, and you got to put a value on that when you go there because they're probably not giving you the same discount because they had to find a way to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to call it a gimmick because it's, it's a good well, it's warranty. Got a value. It's a, yeah. So you got to decide, did that cost them $100, $300, $2,000? And so when you pay a little bit more for that vehicle, maybe you're okay with it because it came with that included. Or hey, this vehicle's got window tint, it's got the bed liner, it's got all these things, so I can pay a little more for this vehicle at X dealership because Y dealership didn't include all that, and mm-hmm. I'd have to go add that. Wow. What is an accessory that you're like, hey, this? we literally at a dealership charge three times what you could go and, and buy Ooh. this for? What's, what's, pull back the curtain yeah, a little let's bit. Tip, tip, the, tip the deck. I'm trying to think. I let's just say not at your dealership. Sure. Let's just say at other dealerships. Called because there's Tom be Tom Bobbis Ford. So you know a lot of a lot of store sell appearance packages. Um, those don't cost the dealership a whole lot of money, and typically what they're selling more than the product that's actually being applied to the vehicle, they're selling the warranty that covers the paint scratch or the paint fade. Uh, the bird dropping, the discolors, you know, like wh- whatever that case is. But it doesn't necessarily make it a bad product. There's just not a lot of people that use it, so the cost yeah. isn't that high. Yeah, because these, ever... these products are not things that, like, the dealership is trying to, like, pull a fast one. Because sometimes people get to the end of the process, and they're already spending, you know, $40,000 on it, and they're like, I, I don't. I don't want to, I just want it to, I want to drive off the lot and I want everything and I'm willing to pay more, but I'm sure like I bought a uh, bed liner uh, whenever I bought my truck and I, I know I paid way more than I, I probably needed to, but at the time it was like kind of my dream truck. And so I was like, yeah, throw on a bed liner or uh, the bed cover rather. Sure. And uh, it's it, also it was the, worth it. The convenience, though, of you not having to have somebody go install it or yeah. order it and install Because I installed mine myself, and it is all wonky. I mean, I should have had a pro <laughs> do it. And and a lot of times, you know, you might not have that extra $2,000 to go buy that bed cover mm-hmm. uh, afterwards where you could have put it in your payments, and it's an extra $7 a month. 
So, you know, sometimes it does make sense to get the accessories done because the vehicle looks the way you want it to. It's done right. It's done with a warranty. If there's any issues, you can bring it back. And it only costs you $7 more a month, $12 more a month, and you still stayed within that comfortable monthly payment versus you just put $8,000 down and then you're like, hey, man, I wanted that bed cover. And it's like $2,700 you got to go put on your credit card or write a check for yeah. And you just kind of put everything to get your truck in the first place. So sometimes it's easier to finance those things. Okay. Um, so I have another question there. From a trade-in standpoint, is there things you can do to make your trade-in more sexy to the dealer? So, uh, you know, cleaning the car out or something like that. Like, is there anything, giving it a good car wash before you take it back? Is that yeah, I mean, increase we, the value? Every once in a while we'll get a car, you know, it's like full of McDonald's wrappers and right. Subway wrappers and I mean, you're typically, you're, you're trying to look past all that, but, you know, if you get in a gross car, uh, it's it's definitely going to mentally help you, yeah. like, depreciate that car versus if you get into a car that's clean. But at the end of the day, we're using au- auction values, what we can go out and purchase that same car for, uh, and pretty much everybody is using the same thing, whether it's V-Auto, Kelly Blue Book, um, and they're, they're putting a number on that car based on the the way that car looks. Um, and when I say way that car looks, I mean like no no physical damage, no structural damage, clean car facts. Um, so even if it's dirty, they know they can get it clean. Yeah. You know, it's getting clean. So I, I don't think there's a lot you can do. We kind of touched on this last time. Um, you know, if you've got some slight damage, maybe some like, uh, wind, uh, like little paint chips from like rock chips or you know, and some people are like, oh, I need to go spend like 300 bucks to get these rock chips taken care of. Well, it's like the dealership can probably get that taken care of for 75 bucks. So if you spend 300 bucks, it's not going to increase You're the value of the vehicle yeah. by 300 bucks. So stuff like that I typically wait on. You can always ask them, hey, you know, I'm not getting as much as I wanted. Why? Well, it's because of the tires. Well, oh. then you can say, well, if I go put $1,000 worth of tires on here, it's going to be $2,000 more. You know, and if the answer is no, then it's, you know, something not you worth don't, it. Yeah, don't want to do. All right, so Johnny's car looks like a soup kitchen. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> soup kitchens feed people, Reed. Unbelievable. It's the, uh, thanks for the F-Shack. Dirty Mike and the boys. <laughs> uh, right now it doesn't look great. Um, so, all right, so the last thing I want to talk about before we jump off here is, is the warranties. And I think it's hard. I'm calling out I think it's hard as a sales person at a dealership or someone that's part of that world to to give honest answers of like how often am I using this warranty because that's the big thing on warranties in general if you're buying a washer and dryer is like what is the likelihood that I'm actually going to use the extended warranty yeah Yeah. or or a home warranty or something like that yeah so what what are the ones that you're like this is this is worth it this is worth it if you're like the person that's like i'll pay now to avoid paying later which all warranties are like that but like you don't have a high likelihood of actually using this but if it makes you feel better we're going to throw this one on there so if you're buying a new vehicle it's going to come with a warranty three years five years ten years depending on which vehicle it is so i think you know it's good to know how long you see yourself in that vehicle if you're the kind of person that buys a new vehicle every 10 years and they drive it till the wheels fall off and then they go get another vehicle. For that person, it makes you know a lot of sense to look for a, a warranty that's eight years, 10 years, you know, something that covers them well past the three-year factory warranty. 
Um, but if you're someone that trades in their car every three years, there's no point to get a warranty because you'll be trading it in right. before you're you mile it out. Or if you drive high miles, you might look at something that's like a four-year, 100,000-mile warranty because that last year you're in the vehicle, you know, you're outside of your, your warranty range. So they're definitely um, – and, and I think warranties are a good deal because vehicles can be very expensive to repair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically you have a zero, hundred, two hundred fifty dollars $250 deductible. But, again, if you're somebody that doesn't hold on to them for a long time, you know, then, then they're not right for you. But if you're buying a used vehicle, something that's got miles on, something you don't know how, how the person before you took care of that vehicle, you know, it might make a lot of sense too. But just know that that first price that's thrown out to you in the F&I box for that warranty – you know that's his first shot. It's not the, it's not the only price, and uh, warranties just like a car dealer negotiable. So go over really fast here because um, I, I just want to. I want to. We probably should have covered this in terminology. You got bumper to bumper. You got powertrain. You have different terminology for these warranties. And I know once you get into it, you can have like the glass warranty. Like there's a lot of like more sure. cosmetic type warranties. What are the main warranties? Uh, and kind of what do they cover? Yeah, so bumper-to-bumper covers almost all your components except for what's meant to wear out, like brakes, windshield wipers, things like that. But that's what comes from the manufacturer when you buy a new vehicle or a certified pre-owned vehicle, and that covers almost everything on the vehicle. Powertrain warranty, which might be like the 6-year, the 7-year, the 10-year warranty, that covers your three major components, which would be your engine, your powertrain, your drivetrain. Uh, those are the most expensive repairs on a vehicle, um, so it's a, it's good coverage to have. And then you have an extended service contract, and that typically is acts like a bumper to bumper. It covers the um, all the components plus the powertrain components if they're not covered as well. And uh, that's what you can buy and finance. And again, if if you're going to be holding onto the vehicle for a while, or if you're buying a vehicle that already has some miles on it, you know. Um, a transmission job can cost upwards of $2,000. An engine job can cost upwards of $5,000. So to have a service contract and know that it's going to be $100 deductible, you know, can be a really good thing. Yeah. Cool. Those are called TJs and EJs. Transmission jobs and engine jobs. Just TJs in case. and EJs. Yeah. Man, the more Learning. I know. Every the day. More I know. Every day. All right. Well, I think that pretty much gives our listeners, I, I think, a really, really well-rounded uh, kind of view of the car buying process. And uh, so, Brandon, talk about how people that want to work with a great dealership and an even better person that's wearing a, what did you call it, a coach's shirt? He just looks great. He I'm looks just gonna, fantastic. I know. How do people get in touch with you? Well, we're uh, in McKinney, Texas, at Bob Thomas Ford and Brandon Thomas Subaru. Um and you can find us on the website, BobThomasFord.com, BrandonThomasSubaru.com. And uh, if Ford or Subaru is what you're looking for or pre-owned, we'd love to service you. Yeah. Um, and, and he really is a very knowledgeable guy. As someone that's gotten to know him, not only through the course of the show, but as, as we've talked about it, he's been very open, um, very honest, and uh, could not recommend him more. So, um, but yeah, I think this was this, this was very, very valuable, valuable and uh, hopefully uh, you as our listeners got a lot out of it. I want to thank our listeners for being a part of this um, and encourage them. If you're listening to it, you enjoy the content, make sure and give us a uh, five-star review. That helps uh, very much in, in getting our message out there. 
So until next time, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Mantelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys and all about guys, where we will continue to give you the tools and resources to become the man you always wanted to be. This is Johnny and Reed signing off and reminding you to be Mantelligent. Intelligent.